Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm absolutely delighted that we're welcoming back friend of the community, Kate Nash, OBE, who has come to talk to us about her new book, Positively Purple. So, Kate, you're always welcome on Access Chat, but it's, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you back and delighted to be able to talk with you about Positively Purple and the impact that people with disabilities are having and, and the stories that you're telling. So please tell us a little bit, firstly, recap about who you are and your journey, just in case someone doesn't know, shame on them if they, if they don't. But uh, yeah, if you could just introduce yourself a little bit and then tell us about the new book, that'd be fantastic. Wonderful. Well, look, first of all, thank you so much for the invitation. It's always like coming home when we talk and riff together. So as ever, a huge thank you for, for the invitation and, and the showcase, the spotlight you're putting on the book, Positively Purple. So, yeah, for your audience, if we've not yet met, I have the very great pleasure of heading up a small social business with a really large global footprint uh, Purple Space is the world's only network of disability employee resource group leaders and networks. We're seven years old as an organisation. And over that year, over that period, we've grown uh, to a community of 2000 leaders across the world, across 200 organisations, many large global businesses. And we conservatively estimate that through those organisations, we reach the lives of one million employees with disability. So fam a fabulous community and, and really driving change. You know, the world changes by many means. One is creative, imaginative chief executives who are determined to put disability on the board agenda, as well as great uh, uh, chief operating officers and other C-suite leaders who are determined. But equally... It changes when we as disabled people choose to stand up, and lean in and to help those that come behind us to, to be who we are. So that's what it's all about. So Positively Purple, let me come to the book. So again, thank you for the showcase. Look, let me show it to you. It came, it comes out on the 3rd of October. It's a very real book. So I've got my first copy. And um, the book really came about. So it's, it's autobiographical in nature. It is the story of, of my life. You know, I'm a, a woman in my, in my late 50s. But for me, the story, my personal story of disability started when I was 15 years old, when I acquired uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Stills disease, um, a juvenile chronic arthritis, one of the type of arthritises. And, you know, I've, I've obviously have therefore lived experience for many decades. So the book is partly autobiographical, but of course it also uh, is the story of Purple Space and is the story of Purple Light Up, which of course is that global movement which marks uh, International Day of Persons with Disability. So, but it's chock full of lessons learned because you know, to be of an age, one feels sometimes you have a duty to summarise and contents all of the lessons that we have learned about how it's possible to drive change. So it's uh, got some lessons learned and practical actions for employers. So very real things that they can do to build an inclusive uh, working world. And it's also full of lessons for people with disabilities. 
because sometimes, and this is the primary message within the book, I think sometimes we feel impotent uh, within the process of change. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, often because of struggle and the velvet rage, and I can talk about that in a moment, we sometimes subrogate our experience and our destiny to others who we think more have more control. So this book is really a gentle but very necessary call to action for us as people with disabilities to stand up and be counted and share our stories and to help those that, that come behind us. So I've got lots of messages and I can share, but that's broadly what the book is all about. Excellent. And, 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 and you said you were going to talk about the velvet wage? Velvet rage, yeah, the velvet rage. So velvet rage, okay. Yeah, so um, there is often the case, I think. So as I say, every chapter gives lessons learned for employers and employees, and one of the the lessons, one of the practical actions I offer up, is for sometimes people with disabilities to notice the emotional challenge that we have in being in groups of people where we are singularly different. There was a wonderful book that uh, Alan Downs published some years ago, 2005. He called it The Velvet Rage. And it was a book about the pain of growing up as a gay man uh, in a straight man's world. And he calls out in a very powerful way. He reminds the readers um, of the fact that we are often amidst daily reminders uh, that we're not the norm. And that can take a huge emotional toll. Um, and sometimes anger can overcompensate. So sometimes we, we might uh, try too hard to earn the love and the respect of others. And that includes our work colleagues or our line managers or our senior managers. So so one of the lessons for me, and I've drawn on that work, is for us, I suppose, as employees with disabilities, people with disabilities, to notice the emotional challenge of self-discovery. So rather than us let go of our destiny to others, it's about just noticing some of those often called microaggressions that we might face so that we can start to think about the things that we can do to build inner confidence, build resilience and notice the tiresome and tiring emotional journey in being who you are often as one singular person, one disabled person in a team, in an organisation, in a business unit, etc. So that's just one of the very many lessons. Yeah, beware the purple velvet rage and notice the anger sometimes that sits inside us. Does that make sense, Neil? Yeah, yes, it does. And and I know that Deborah's got got some a question that I know she's going to want to ask, but I think it's that 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 rage is really sometimes noticeable, particularly online particularly in social media where communication gets truncated and and so we don't have the ability to um, mediate or moderate our language sometimes so I think that 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 we 
we we see this, and I also, you know, I I, I do take on board the 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 need to prove oneself as as being a real driver of of both you know progress and 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 so on, but also something that is also driving exhaustion and burnout. So uh, I think it's really interesting to to hear about that. Deborah, over to you. Yeah, and thank you, Neil. And Kate, you know, we are big fans of your work. And and I know, I, I just want to say that Access Chat is very, very proud to stand with your organization that created my purple space. I mean, my, my purple light up, excuse me. I, we didn't start my purple space, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but... But we're really, really proud of what you did. I know, really, as I take credit for her work. But um, because I know that we're all stronger together. But at right at a time when we are all confused, we're all confused. Corporate brands are confused. Everybody's confused. It's just we know this is going on right now. But I see a lot of corporate brands trying to figure out how to include us. I see... People, um, I hear people commenting about um, what others are doing or not doing, and it's not good enough. But uh, I think one thing that always impressed me about your work, and I will tell you, Susan Scott Parker introduced me to you for the first time. And I remember when she told me about your work, she, I don't think I've ever heard her talk about somebody as you know, robustly and nicely as she did about you, Kate. So, and Susan Scott Parker's hard to um, impress. I remember when Neil impressed her. Oh yeah. I mean, she's hard to impress. She's got high standards, but you, the one thing that I always liked about what you were doing is you wanted to celebrate the lives of, uh, and the contributions that people with disabilities were bringing into the workforce already. Not not in the future, but already. And and I love that you did the book. I love, you know, the different things that your organization are doing to actually bring us together. One thing I would like to do, like I would like to see, because I've seen this a couple of times, I would like our community to um, honor people that start something. So Kate's organization started My Purple Light Up and we're all joining it. But if you're choosing to get involved, yay! But don't just take it over without giving credit to the organization that's running it. And I saw that by some big brands last year, so I will say that. And I would also like to say that we, you know, we we really need to honor each other and help each other and celebrate each other. And so my I'm glad you did my purple light up. I'm glad that you have all these groups together where they're really talking about empowerment and identity and what we bring to the table. But, and I'm, and the book with all of the examples, I think helps brands so much too. Yeah. But I'm starting to hear, you know, there's a lot of, there's just total confusion. So how do we as a community help you with what you're trying to do really help employers understand the value we bring to the table. But in this new world, Kate, yeah. how these corporations do this? How does ATOS do this? Well, so we're not going to criticize them and say bad ATOS or, or whatever. Put in yeah. IDM, AT&T. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you, know, Deborah, you, you touch on a really important issue that I choose to unpack in the book. So the, 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 the title of the book, Positively Purple, it's very deliberate and it's twofold. One, it describes 
my innate default personality. Now, we all have default personalities. Um, we all choose, I think, often to try and adapt and to grow as individuals and sometimes to adapt the right behaviours to the right situation when we're campaigning for change, uh, which is entirely proper. But one of the things I call out both in terms of what I choose to do as an individual and deploy skill, but equally where I notice as a central force that is necessary now to drive further change when it comes to the lived experience is to notice and choose to decide whether we want to continually to collude with the negativity that often surrounds our life. So one of the things I touch on is we've all heard, particularly when it comes to um, uh, politics and, and the distribution of information. So we all now know, for example, the concept of misinformation. Yeah? So, so that's false information uh, that is shared without the intent to mislead. Yeah, misinformation. And we've also heard about disinformation, which is false information, which is shared with the deliberate intent to mislead. And I've invented a new word called misdisinformation. And for me, it calls out it's neither false information um, and neither is it shared with intent or malice to deceive or not. But for me, misdisinformation calls out the constant barrage of how difficult our lives are at all times. And what I choose to do is just to offer a challenge and, and to invite people to think about what is the purpose of reposting another negative piece of information about how we've not climbed up the greasy pole how poverty impacts on our life. And my, my, my suggestion is not that these truths don't exist. Of course they do. But if we're really in the game of driving positive change, might it be necessary for us to spot the positive and the can-do stories, um, not just equally, but more than? Because I, you know, I'm a strong believer, if you keep on doing what you keep on doing. You will keep on getting what you keep on getting. So I talk a little bit about that. I refer to another brilliant work called Factfulness, um, Hans Rosling. He reminds us of the tendency as human beings to, uh, uh, to, to turn towards the binary. You know, as human beings, there's a, we, we have a basic urge to divide things into two groups. Uh, and his first mega uh, mis in, misconception is that the world is divided dramatically into two. It's what we try to do. Uh, and instead, the world just doesn't work like that. It's not about the rich and the poor. It's about the, the majority uh, in between who are trying to live our lives. So, yeah, to, to your point, Deborah, it's for me about noticing the, the, the small things that we can do to make a very big difference. If you pick up Twitter, Twitter and you put in the hashtag disability, be prepared to be gloomy within 30 seconds. What does that say about our lives? It doesn't capture the full texture and the beauty and the humour and the irony and the naughtiness and the tricks and the flicks that we learn along the way. So, yeah, Positively Purple, it's both a description of my default personality. I can't help it. It's not deliberate. I neither apologise nor am ashamed from it. 
However, my choice is to notice and to help others, I suppose, to believe that there is a role of positivity. What else is there as human beings? So, uh, so please correct me if, if I if I if I'm wrong. So, um, you're talking about you know, there's this tendency of people to divide everything in two sides. Uh, for me, that somehow also reveals that people have difficulties in dealing with complexity. So they prefer to, to, to simplify. Um, so how do so I would like to know how can no, I, in, how should we find ways to to look at complexity and embrace it? Because after all, that's how life is. It's not just black and white. How can we embrace that complexity and in order to improve things around us? Yeah, it's a great question, Antonio. I think in terms of our world, because we're all trying to deliver by being a change maker, you know, in different ways. And and to your question, we do live in a very complex world per se. Uh, and there are so many complexities around the lived experience of disability. And there's a dichotomy because on the one hand, you know, we can continue to live with struggle whether it's not the right access to the right accessible housing, is it access to accessible transport, um, you know, right health care. You know, there, there are many challenges uh, that, that permeate our lives. But regrettably, because of that dichotomy I talked about, we, we fall into the trap of just thinking about the negativity. But how, so how do we... How do we navigate this complex world? I think one thing that we can do, and again, that's the invitation to people with disabilities, is to share our stories as courageously as we can. So I think it's often the case that we often shortchange ourselves. We don't invest in ourselves, perhaps quite as much as others. And that might be because of struggle quite literally, you know, getting up in the morning and getting to work and sorting the children, as well as managing our disability and as well as working. But we have to, I, what I, I love John Armici, everybody knows John Armici. He talks about, would we recognise our soul in the dark? And it's a great strap line to, to invite us to think about our personal contributions in the process of change. If we're just strident and if we're just calling out bad behaviour, it's just one take on how you do things. And might it be proper? Is there a different contribution to share our stories of joy, to share our stories of irony in terms of how people are around us? And, and some of the wonderful disabled comedians, everybody knows Simon Minty, now of Gogglebox fame, who calls out how often we are often perceived as an inspiration. He talks about inspiration porn. I know he's not the first. Many have done that. But this book is trying to popularise. It's trying to get the word out that we should avoid being an inspiration. Uh, and the way we can do that is to talk about the, 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 the variety of things that happen in our lives and to share stories mm. in a way that other colleagues do. So it, it does mean we have to step up. It does mean we have to be brave. It does mean we have to practice. Yeah. Okay, on, on that, 
how can how can people with disabilities not fall into that trap? Because sometimes could be through media, could be through agencies, people are being asked to participate in events or yeah. to give their opinions because somebody wants them to be the inspiration. How can that be avoided? How can they avoid that? It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? On the one hand, we want to uh, support uh, audiences to think differently about our lives. So, therefore, the majority of them wouldn't want to necessarily so, say no and, and turn down an opportunity to help people to think differently. And yet, just by doing that, just by sharing our story, we may be perceived as an inspiration. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with Simon Minty about this some years ago, and he has a beautiful uh, line because if somebody says, I'm inspired by you, his next line is, What are you inspired to do? Yeah. What are you inspired to do? So ultimately, we can't help it that people, you know, I have arthritis, very significant arthritis. I have a mobility challenge. I, I walk with a wobble. Um, I've had hips and knees replaced. I'm never going to run anytime soon. I have dexterity issues and I have daily living challenges in terms of how I move around, not just where I live, but in my environment. And I can't help those people who might predict that faced with the same challenge, that they couldn't deal with it. Of course, the reality is we all get on with it. We have no choice. We have no choice. But it's a human tendency to feel that we wouldn't be able to deal with that burden, uh, not necessarily the physical burden, but the emotional burden that comes with that. And that's a human thing. There's no point in my getting angry with someone who has a natural human tendency to feel inspired by the fact I've got a good job and, you know, I love my family and I do all kind of wide and wacky things. But I have an opportunity to invite them to think about what they will do by being inspired. Mm -hmm. So if we can say to individuals who say they're inspired, what will you choose to do? And then hold the silence enough for them to feel it. That was Simon. That wasn't me. It's in the book. So thank you, Simon. That's a great point, though. That's a great. What inspires you? That's what I mean, you don't have to make people feel bad about. But what so what part did inspire you? What are you going to do with that inspiration? I think that's a beautiful question. That's uh, yeah. So, so so I would like to say, Kate, you inspire me, but it's not because you're living with your your arthritis. It's because of the work that you do to catalyze the community. And I think that. The, the, the intent of Access Chat and some of the campaigns we've run, I've intended to inspire people, but it's not been, and it's to be inspiring them to action, right? And I think that that's right. So Simon's absolutely right on that. But I, there was a, I, I want to circle back a little bit to a point you made before about calling out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that, that um, I was listening to a podcast only the other day and they were interviewing someone and they were talking about calling people in and I thought that this was really interesting so this is a lady that that worked in the uh in a racial equity space and and you know it's a really tough gig you know especially in America and it can be really um you know quite aggressive um and, and people are calling out and going you're wrong on this and 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 instead of that what what it's doing is, is it's 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 
not letting people get away with doing something that is that that needs to be raised, right? So you need to to not let people get away with saying something that's ableist or racist or whatever, but start with by bringing someone in and saying, look, I know you to be a good person. You know, I know you do all of these good things. What is it about this particular subject that made you say that? And, um, and, and so, it, so, so, so then what you're doing is you're not setting it up for confrontation because if you start with the criticism, you know, the, the, the person that said this thing is already going to be set up for conflict. And, yeah. and, and so we, and we, have, we have this propensity for calling out and conflict on, on social media. And I think that it's, um, it's something that I've very consciously tried to stay away from. There are a couple of times where you end up going down the rabbit hole because you feel like you, you need to correct something. And, and, and you know that once this, once this sort of back and forth has started, even though you're trying to be pleasant, you're thinking, why did I start this? Uh, you know, because I wish, I, you know, I wish to be positive and you're sort of going, you know, you can feel yourself descending down into, into this sort of confrontational mode. And, and, and so I think the positivity is really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the positivity that inspires. It's not, your life circumstances or, you know, being inspirational for your arthritis. It's yeah. the, the fact that you approach everything through the lens of positivity and believing in good in people that makes people want to do things for you that furthers the agenda. So, yeah. so uh, applause to you. Yeah. And coming back at you, Neil, and I love that. That's a beautiful phrase that's a beautiful technique i love that really love it i really love it Do you know i noticed it and it's interesting you you mentioned neil social media you know we all know it's a force for good and it's uh, a force for let's yes. just say less good um and i'm having a senior moment here who's that wonderful female comedian her name is rosie what's her surname oh it'll come to me in a moment she was on social media fantastic comedian and she rosie was, mcdonald no i don't think it's rosie mcdonald oh, it sorry, come sorry. To me. yeah she talked about her um, experience quite recently where she was being criticised by uh, uh, people with disabilities for gigging in venues that are not brilliantly accessible for people with disabilities. And it, it, it struck me as how challenging, how saddening that is because her reply and and she was very open about this is that she's trying to push boundaries and if she can have an audience with large numbers of non-disabled people to use her wonderful wit and her beautiful comedy to drive change then why should she turn down and of course while she's there of course she'll do everything she can do to give the right messages to the right people to ensure those gigs. So I mean, we're riffing here around positivity. I think we do have an opportunity to reset the dial. In, in my in my view, we won't hasten the pace of change for people with disabilities, for disabled people, if we don't choose to reflect on the contribution that we bring to that. And if all we do is repost negative stories, how can we truly look to ourselves and believe that we're doing something useful and appropriate. 
unhappy. Kate, I'll give you an example that it just discouraged me. And um, I live in Virginia, one of the states in the United States. And 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 a woman posted. Well, no, um, I I saw that the governor of my state, Virginia, had passed a law that said that employers were not allowed to discriminate against a person because of their hair. And and I remember just being amazed by that. Now, I know that African-American women in the United States, is I just know I've heard a lot of discrimination. It, and I'm thinking, it's your hair. Why? why? Anyway, so I get confused by it. But so I, I posted about it and I said, I'm amazed at what we find to discriminate against each other. I'm just amazed. And so this woman posted back at first, it was an interesting conversation. And then this African-American posted back and said, yeah, so how do you feel now? And she just attacked me and I, and it made me feel sad because what happened was boom, everybody stopped commenting. Everybody stopped the conversation. She attacked me because I'm white and I don't under, it was just, it made me feel sad because I actually was trying to support the community. Right. And so I think sometimes when you're being all, anytime that I want to be holier than now, or I'm going to get up on my soapbox, I think you need to get off the social media, Deborah, because it's not going to help. You're only going to make things worse. And so I always talk to myself when I'm feeling a little, um, you know, holier than thou type situation. I always say, "Uh uh-uh, get off. Stop. Only because you stop the conversation. So, um, yeah. And that's why I appreciate what you do and Kate. You you remind me in the book, I talk about how we can learn from some of the professional social media influencers, the disabled social media influencers that are a new breed of sassy, out loud, proud, extraordinary individuals who are breaking the rules and doing some fantastic things. So there's um, uh, is it Ellie Goldstein who, uh, as uh, she has Down syndrome, uh, and she partnered with uh, Vogue and Gucci, and she has this wonderful following now. When she writes a post, she has something like 865,000 likes on one post. But her ability to be herself, be who she is, and to attract and command a following that is breathtaking is extraordinary. And Pippa Stacey is another one. You know, she she posts for Tesco's around easy bake recipes and her content outperforms nearly any content that a non-disabled person is posting around Tesco's. My point being, I suppose, is that they're learning how to use social media and their authenticity as disabled people to change opinions and views. And that gives them an enormous opportunity to push back, I think, at the inappropriate negativity around our lives. So, yeah. Yeah, and and I just want to say um, one more thing um, to the audience. We should all go out and buy Kate's book, but also remember, do a review. It really, really helps to do a review. It also really helps if you get her book like Kate did. And I know she's right now going to hold that book up so we can see it again, if you can see. Um, you know, when you get it, you know, take a picture of yourself like Kate is right now with it and post and say, yay, look what I got. 
let's all help Kate and help each other because this book is going to break down barriers. So I just wanted to remind the audience to do that. And all three of us will be doing that. So we appreciate you, Kate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think we could riff on this topic for for a long time because there's an awful lot to to sort of unpack here. I, I I'm I'm really interested in the positivity elements, de-escalation techniques as well, because I think that this is an area where um, where we need to look deeper into this as a society and as um, as groups within our own disability community that um, that don't always collaborate well that that um, are afraid that their piece of the pie is going to be taken rather than finding a way to make a bigger pie. So I think that, that some of these things that are being looked at through the lens of um, both the de-escalation and, and the sort of the positivity are, 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 are tools that we really need um, to, to sort of further our cause and, and further our inclusion in society. So thank you for contributing. Also need to thank my clear text for contributing through keeping this caption. Um, and uh, you know, thank all of the community that has contributed so far to our GoFundMe, um, reminding people that it's still there. Please share it. Don't feel that you have to put money in if you can't afford it. I understand the disability community has lots of expenses right now, but please do share it because there are people out there that may not know that we, you know, that we're raising funds. So and just wanted Neil, to get that out there. Right. Yeah. And I'll say, Neil, too, if there's any corporate brands that are following us, you know, this is a good way to support our community. We have hundreds and hundreds of shows. And so there's an opportunity for you to come in and help us. But it would be wonderful if we could repurpose some of this content, too. So, Kate, yeah. if you know any brands that want to help, you know, with this show has been on the air, what? eight years now yeah we've got Ever. about 400 400 yes. different interviews right right so yeah. I just and, and only 300 of them are with kate <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well look you are a remarkable community and will absolutely mobilize our members for this access chat and yeah. encourage them to hear yeah. about the extraordinary work that you three deliver look i couldn't help but mention the three of you in this book because you're fellow travelers yes. um what i'd love to do is to offer up uh, a free copy of the book uh, for anyone who jumps into our dialogue, our chat. So if, if, you, if you post more than anyone else, we will we will select you and send you a free copy of the Excellent. book. Thank but I will say that that does not include the three hosts. So, and we no. know, we're already getting we <laughs> And I bought one, even though she was sending me one, I bought it one because I wanted to support you, Kate. So, Excellent. and with the review, even though I hadn't done the review yet, because the book comes out, October. October. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So whoever on access chat, uh, and you got to be on the chat the Tuesday that we're featuring her, whoever does the most, um, then we're going to send you a copy of the book, a free copy. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Lovely to see you. Thank you. You take Bye, everyone.